0: Jeff Wacker, 620 WTMJ. So, Janie, let me tell you my, my story from the weekend. The, um, I, I was supposed to you, – you were off on Friday as well, right? I was uh, – yes, yeah, on Friday, yes. Right, because we we both we, – you and I had both worked the, the company, the Martin Luther King Holiday. So right. you, that you you get a day, but you have to use it that week is the right. rule. So I, I was off as well. Now, I had made plans that um, a very good friend of mine has a place in Arizona, Desert Mountain, which is about 45 minutes north of Phoenix. And it's, it's kind of a gated golf course community. So I, I had made plans that I was going to fly out there, get up zero dark 30, you know, on sure. Friday morning, fly to Phoenix. The flight the flight got in like 10 o'clock Phoenix time. We were going to play 18 holes of golf on Friday, 18 or 36 on Saturday, you know, and come back, you know, Sunday morning. So that that was kind of the plan. And then, of course, that would have meant I was going to be in the air when the Packers were playing. Oh, this is you know, so that that was an issue.
1: I bet. You know, I know that it, that I'm was sure
0: a, it was. That was a big issue, and I started, and there was a couple other things that were going on, and I started looking at the weather forecast for Phoenix, and the weather forecast for Phoenix for the weekend was going to be, it was fifty one degrees and pouring rain. Oh, pouring rain. So I'm thinking about <laughs> all this. So I, I reach out to my buddy and I said, you yeah, know, I've got this other stuff going on, and I'm looking at the weather forecast. Let why don't we just cancel and do it some other time? And he was very understanding. He said that that's great. So Friday morning, I, I get this, I get an email from my buddy who who is out there regardless, and yeah. he says, "I am so glad you are not here. It's forty seven degrees. It is pouring rain." And it's going to be a miserable weekend. So, I mean, I write him back and I said, are you saying that if I got up at zero dark 30, ran to the airport, stuck my chunky butt into a plane, flew halfway across the country, and then found that the weather was worse in Phoenix than it is in Milwaukee and we wouldn't have been able to play golf at all for two days except just sit in your place and look at the rain that I might be a bit cranky <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and his response was Jeff under the best of circumstances you're a bit cranky I just got <laughs> that's a good friend <laughs> that was exactly it It was just like uh, but it, it, it was it was so like I mean a couple people were saying, well did you did you go play golf because you were alluding to it no we I didn't for a variety of reasons but um, it was, it's, Can you imagine, I mean, what a bummer it would have been to...
2: Well, absolutely, go all that way, and even though it's a quick turnaround trip, you know, you want to... Yeah, that would not have been good.
0: Right, so it, it actually, it, it all's well that ends well, and Tom, I want to thank you very much for your offer of hospitality. I will take it up at some point in time, and thanks to my, you know, sister-in-law, Tony, who was going to watch Sasha. So, but it was, but, but no, it just did, it, but it, his... his I understand. If you listen to me, you you probably think I'm the nicest guy in the world. But at least one of my friends thought I might be a bit cranky under those circumstances. Go figure. Um, Speaking of cranky, the legend of Jim Doyle continues. The ghost of Jim Doyle continues to haunt the state of Wisconsin. I know a lot of people are mad at Scott Walker because ultimately he did not sign off on the proposed casino that was going to be run by the Hard Rock Cafe and the the Indian tribe out of uh, Florida and and the Menominee tribe out of um, you know, the kind of like the, the Shawano area. I, I understand that, that people are mad at him. They thought that that should be a casino and a hard rock cafe, and they thought it would be great for business. And and by the way, I think it would have been great for business. I, I think it is very unfortunate. I understand that they're starting to do business development down there, and I hope it works out, but I think that would have been a great location for this. And I understand people are mad at Scott Walker, but what you need to understand is Walker's hands were very, very largely tied as a result of a strikingly bad deal that Jim Doyle signed when he initially went into these compacts. And so now you have the Potawatomi tribe that has pretty much exclusive rights in southeastern Wisconsin to run a casino. And what was lost in all this is if Walker would have gone ahead and allowed that casino to open, you would have been inviting Several years of litigation, and I, I think reasonable people can disagree, but most of the attorneys I talked to thought it was it was pretty close. It was like a fifty fifty thing as to whether or not that uh, the state would have won or whether or not the um, the, the Pottawatomi tribe would have won because under the really 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 stunningly bad deal, the Jim Doyle cut. That The the state's hands were tied. And whenever you hear, like, the mainstream media writing these phrases about the evils of dark money, well, it it goes back to gaming interests in Wisconsin. That was the ultimate kind of dark money, money that they shoveled to politicians, that various tribes, you know, shoveled to various politicians in order to get essentially these monopoly positions on on gambling. Now, I I bring that up because, again, people were mad at Walker, and I understand it, but the reality was— Walker was very limited as to what he could do because the deal that Jim Doyle struck was so very bad. You are now seeing this play out again. In the world of casino gaming in Wisconsin, even with the tribes, there are the haves and there are the have-nots. You've got a couple tribes that do very, very well. Pottawatomie does very, very well. Ho-Chunk does very well. Oneida does very well. For a lot of the other tribes that run casinos, it, it's it's really small, kind of bare bones operations. Um but but Ho Chunk is one of the you know the big players that are there. And under these compacts that were signed, you, you might think of okay, the big casinos, but all around the state, there's also a, a number of smaller facilities. A lot of times they're convenience stores, gas stations that have slot machines in them. And what's going on now, and actually the Journal Sentinel has a follow-up story on this, um, you know, Ho-Chunk, which in addition to like the, the big casino they have, I mean, Ho-Chunk has a number of these like ancillary things, including like a convenience store gas station where they've always had slot machines. They have essentially decided that they want to take this this facility in in Wittenberg, which is kind of out by... By Warsaw, and what they want to do is they want to expand this auxiliary facility that's essentially you know it sells cigarettes and it sells it's got slot machines but it sells cig- it's a convenience store that type of thing, and they want to expand it and you know turn it into a, a much larger casino. Well, this has a number of the other area tribes just all up in arms, including, um, you know, the Stock Ridge Muncie tribe, who have a, a small, comparatively casino. But the rule of casino gaming is you almost never drive past one casino to get to another. That—that's, I mean, you just—if if you're going to go play blackjack or slot machines or whatever. For many gamblers, it doesn't, I mean, you you know, slot machine, the experience might be slightly different, but the slot machines are slot machines everywhere. Blackjack tables are blackjack tables everywhere. So most gamblers go to the casino that's closer to them. So what's going on now is you have like the Stockbridge Muncie folks who are out there saying, if if the Ho-Chunk turns this convenience store with a few slot machines into this larger casino, it's between us and Warsaw, and we're going to lose huge amounts of business because people from Wausau, they're not going to continue to drive to us. They're going to stop at this place, and they're, they're now threatening litigation. The Ho-Chunk, um, who, again, their $33 million project, adding a hotel, hundreds of new slot machines and table games, they're saying, well, under the deal that we cut with Diamond Jim Doyle, um, we we have the right to do this. Now, again, I... Indian law is very complex, and then when you overlay federal gaming law with regard to Indian lands on top of it, it it becomes even more complex. But without prejudging this, I think Ho-Chunk probably has a very strong argument that they are allowed to do this. Maybe that will ultimately not be the case. But here you have another one of these examples of this really, really bad compact this really really bad agreement that was struck years ago that gives some tribes pretty much exclusive rights to operate cuts out other tribes smaller tribes who need the money and of course cuts out you know non-indian gaming interests as well so i'm going to be interested to watch this whole thing you know play out but It's it's, again, this is the ghost of Jim Doyle continuing to haunt us. And and one of the ultimate ironies is when Jim Doyle was attorney general, he was completely anti-gaming. He was anti-gaming. And then once the possibility for big money and campaign contributions came in and a couple federal court cases came out, well, then the dialogue changed. But we're... Uh, for everybody who lives in that part of the state, the area around and has been following this, and the tribes who feel the smaller tribes who feel like they 've been like left out or excluded well this it was a bad series of deals that were cut over the years, and we are we 're going to be having to deal with this for decades to come. It is eleven nineteen some legislators are trying to be pro taxpayer. Others say they're trying to be anti-union. We discuss. Stick around. 1119 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1121 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So, Hondo, this this is the breaking news for you. It's not Donald Trump signing executive orders. It's not Governor Walker appearing on the program an hour and 10 minutes ago announcing major welfare reforms, which, by the way, by popular demand, we now podcast the entire program. So you can go WTMJ.com, click on the Jeff Wagner page, and you can download the podcast and the shows. You can also sign up to be notified and just have it automatically downloaded. But this is the breaking news that you know we're going to talk about now. The new Star Wars movie, the new Star Wars movie, the, the next movie, okay, so it was the, the Force Awakens was the one that came out what a year and a half ago or so. And then last year you had the uh, Rogue One, which was sort of a prequel to the, to the original Star Wars thing. And Rogue One was absolutely an outstanding movie. I saw it. I, I loved it a lot. So the new Star Wars movie, um, it's going to be released December 15th, just in time for Christmas, and it's going to be called The Last Jedi. All right, Last Jedi, December fifth. Mark Hamill. That, you know, he was. I, I don't want to give stuff away, but at the end of the Force Awakens, he, he he made his appearance, and so we would figure that he would have a role. And of course, Carrie Fisher, who just passed away, um, she had she had shot her role in that film as well. So, Car- right. So Carrie Fisher will be in in that because she had filmed most of her stuff. She had filmed, I don't know about post-production, but she had filmed, principal filming had been done um, before that. So, um, interesting. December 15th, make your plans now. Okay, so you're going to, my producer Hondo, you're going to be watching the things, you're going to be taking off that Friday and and undoubtedly, like, watching all the things. Okay, where are we going to go see this and when do the tickets first become available? You don't dress up, do you? You do not dress up. Okay. Maybe, right, no, Star Wars T-shirts are not dressing up. I meant, you know, dress as a Jedi or a stormtrooper or whatever. Okay, all right. This, This, to me, is a very, very interesting question that we are going to discuss next. There are a number of cities and counties in the state of Wisconsin that have requirements that say that when it comes to a public works project, we're going to hire contractors to build a road. We're going to hire contractors to do this, that, or the, the other thing. There are a number of local governments that require require some or all, of the labor to be union labor. So the deal is okay if it's going to be public money that's going to be spent on this. Um, you're going to. It's going to have to be union labor that that is used. Right. That's the background, and the idea being well, a couple things. I mean, maybe you want to say oh, we, we think we can get better workers if it's union labor, if it's union work. But I mean, part of it is a political sort of thing because you have a lot of these local governments that get a lot of support from the local unions and things like that. What's happening in, there there are a couple of Republican lawmakers, um, State Representative Rob Hutton, State Senator Leah Vukmir, um, both of whom from Brookfield, who have introduced legislation which would promote government neutrality on labor agreements. And what this would do is it would ban local governments from requiring contractors to use organized labor on public works projects. It wouldn't say that, you know, if, if you hire the Hondo construction crew to, to do these roads, it wouldn't say the Hondo that, that the Hondo company, you know, couldn't hire union labor. But it would say you can't force the Hondo Construction Company, to use union labor. And the justification for this is, the legislators argue, by preventing government entities from requiring a project labor agreement, we are opening up the process to allow more contractors to bid on taxpayer-funded projects. When competition increases, costs go down, and quality improves, creating a win for the taxpayers who fund the projects. All right. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. 414 799 That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll Free Talk line. All right, what do you think about this? Is this another example of, uh, again, union busting? Is this an example of Republicans in the legislature taking away local control? Or is this just a common sense thing which says you can't put requirements in for public works projects work projects that are going to be funded by taxpayer dollars you can't put requirements in that force them to be done by union labor meaning i don't know maybe some of the non-union companies would um, have some more latitude if they compete good idea or union busting bad idea 4147991620 is the number we discuss next 1127 jeff wagner 620 wtmj 1128, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ, Paul in Cary, Illinois. Paul, good morning. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay. Interesting what, topic.
3: I, I really think that it's time that the uh, legislation is actually brought to, a, brought to a halt, because I think that this legislation gives a monopoly status to the unions.
0: It, it does. In certain cases, if you've got a municipality, at least when it comes to bidding on public works projects, in some municipalities it does. Yeah, it says it has to be... Right. Union labor, at least a certain percentage, would have to be, and you think that's wrong?
3: I think that's definitely wrong. It, it, it to me, it, it, it prevents somebody that's not a union from getting a job, from being able to make their their livelihood and mm-hmm. to provide for their family.
0: Do you think that? Uh, do you think that? One of the, the purposes, though, if, if we assume that you know, union labor is going to be a little bit more expensive, that this is a way of making sure that you know we have good sustainable the taxpayer dollars are being used to fund you know good, sustainable jobs.
3: I think the taxpayers' money should be open for everybody to be able to bid it or to be earning an income. Got That's on. like your doctors. Most doctors do not belong to the American Medical Association. They belong to different organizations. To say that your doctor has to be forced to join the medical AMA. You know that's the wrong thing. You're looking for the best quality. You're looking for the best person to take care of you and your family and this community.
0: Right. Well, you know, it, you know, it's, for example, from the legal perspective, um, the. You do have to be a member of the state bar of Wisconsin, but you don't have to be a member of the American Bar Association, for example. And I I mean, I I dropped my membership in the American Bar Association years and years ago when they started to get really political. Okay, we continue the conversation. Interesting, two Republican legislators, both from Brookfield, with forty-three sponsors, want to pass a law saying local governments could not require, when bidding on public work projects, that some or all of the work be done by union shops. Good idea, bad idea. If you're on the line. Hold on. 1135, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. I actually hadn't realized that that uh, spot was going to run during the that break. That's what we're talking about, these project labor, labor agreements. Right now, there's a move afoot in Madison, which would ban local governments who are doing public works projects, a lot of which are done with, with state money, from requiring contractors to use organized labor. Um, Some communities, some municipalities have that requirement, that some or all of the work has to be done by union labor. Wouldn't stop somebody from doing that if they chose to, but you couldn't require this. Is it a good idea or not? Dave in Green Bay. Dave, good morning. You're on 620 WTMJ.
2: Good morning, Jeff. What do Uh, you think? Well, when it comes to my plumbing, uh, I live in Green Bay, and whoever's putting the pipes in and stuff, I want to know that they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a son, two, well, two of my boys. One is a, a union electrician, the other one is an uh, independent contractor doing flooring and tiling. But they both tell me that uh, my uh, other son, that's uh, the union electrician, his uh, skills are constantly being upgraded. Uh, he knows what he's doing. He deals with a lot of warehousing and wiring in, in big buildings. I want it done right. And then my other son, he's an independent contractor. Uh, he does a good job, but he's they both tell me. I mean, it's if you have uh, some union, some non union, in a lot of places they go to work, not that the non union, they're not skilled in their trades in somewhat, but it, they, they stuff stuff. It's, I would much rather have someone that really knows what they're doing when it comes to my infrastructure in the city. You know? Okay,
0: so your, your premise is you believe that all things being equal. The non-union labor is going to be less good, less skilled than the union labor would be.
2: That's kind of what I see, as in what my mm-hmm. son. I, I that's all I am going by.
0: Okay, okay, good enough. Thank, thanks for calling 800-877-1620. That's the Akinet uh, Mortgage toll free talk line. I don't know if, if you are. I don't know if, if, and this this is not me knocking union labor. I, this is, I, and obviously, I see. I agree with Dave. That, to me, I, I, cheapest is not always best. I'm not the guy that goes with the lowest bidder. I mean, it's, there, there are consequences with going with the lowest bidder. I mean, I think there. whenever you're, you're looking at a project, what you want to do is you want the best value that, that you can possibly get. You don't want to overpay for something, but at the same time, you don't want to underpay for it. You know, you, you want quality. You want value. That is one of the things I look at. I mean, Dave's premise is that he thinks that, you know, up and down, you're going to get a higher quality of work if you hire union labor. Hmm. Let's talk to Sam in McHenry, Illinois. Sam, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
1: Thanks for taking my call, Jeff. What do you think? Well, whether you're talking about a road, a school, a municipal building, a lot of the companies that are getting this work are are, are the bigger outfits. And there's a lot of smaller companies that could provide skilled labor at a better cost. And that's just fact. Uh, The guy that called before, you know, he's playing the skill card, and that only goes so far. You know, you try to get the bid process opened up, and you're supposed to take multiple bids. And then you find out, well, it's the same guy's bidding on all these jobs every time. And if one guy's too busy, he just inflates the cost, and the other guy gets it. And, you know, it's just one big happy family. Mm Mm-hmm and then the taxpayers are paying a lot of money for these projects and there's no real competition in this bid process and right. that's where you get into the whole discussion of bid rigging yeah. and it, you know it, it it's not an, a, a direct rigging process it's an indirect rigging right, process. Right because
0: there's only some people so many people that can participate it's a limited group by the time you start putting these project requirements in there.
1: When you look at yeah the requirements exactly you hit the nail on the head it flushes out a lot of smaller companies that are that are competent and could give the taxpayer a value. And if everybody's forced to pay, then why can't everybody who's paying say, "Hey, I, you know, I want to see what's going on here." No,
2: you can't see what's going on. It's all behind closed doors all the time.
0: Yeah. See, I guess here, here's how I look at this, Sam. I, again, I, it goes back to my basic premise that I, I want quality and value. I, I don't, I don't necessarily want the the lower. I don't want the lowest bid. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with, you know, hiring a, a union shop. There's all sorts of times where I know I've done that in, in my, my personal life because, because okay, I, I like this particular business, it's a great contractor, and I, I think you're going to get quality of work. I, I do think, though, that this is the type of thing that makes sense to me because it says, look, we're, we're going to open this up and you, you can if if your shop whether it's union or otherwise you know does does quality work and then you include that in the bid and you get to be then included in the process of of the bidding and if you know if you're a local entity local municipality and you decide to hire somebody whether it's union or non-union and they end up doing a crummy job well then you deserve to be held accountable but i guess i have trouble with the idea that just because it's a union shop that means that you're going to have a higher quality work. It might certainly be true in some cases, and this is not me dissing union members at at all. It's just, okay, I I don't know. Sometimes I'm sure that there's very, very good contractors who might be bidding on different projects that aren't union, who are excluded simply because they're non-union shops, and that doesn't strike me as being, you know, right. Edwin in Milwaukee. Edwin, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
4: Good morning, Jeff. Okay so I, I I think that the union has run its course. Um, I think that there are guys out there who are willing to learn who do not have the experience because the union has cornered the market now if if yes if if you go to a union, you might get a more experienced individual because they've been in the job longer they've they've gotten this contracted um, jobs and they've worked in this uh, in in the, in the industry longer than uh, a, a non union worker who's just trying to just 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 get a headway in the industry and the right. unions have just, just pretty much um, um, excluded them out of the market, mm-hmm. and, and I think that's wrong. And frankly, you see, this is why I, I, I don't support unions anymore, because, because of this very simple, simple reason that we, the consumer, we suffer from that, because then the union just, just uh, mm-hmm. um, escalate their prices and force the consumer to actually go and pay higher prices for higher work, which is fine. But then don't exclude the other individuals
0: who are willing to lie. Well, right. And in this particular case, thanks for calling. And in this particular case, you're talking about taxpayer dollars. I mean, if you're deciding, okay, you're gonna you're gonna do you're gonna replace your roof in your house, or you're gonna have a major electrical project or, or whatever, you go out, you get a number of bids, you're gonna factor in, okay, how much it's gonna cost, when can they do it, you know, I'm I'm gonna check out the ratings with the better business bureau. I, I mean I I want all these different factors. And then you process that all together and trying to make the, the decision. But we don't tell you when you're 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 looking at, we'll take the example of the electrical thing. We don't tell you, okay, you can't consider people who are union employers. You can't consider people who are non-union employers. You, You look at everybody, and then you make the decision based on whatever factors are most important to you, what makes the most sense. And I guess I just don't understand why, from a public works perspective, it should be different You know, if we're deciding whether we're going to build a school or a road and we're dealing with taxpayer money, why do we handle that differently than we would if we were dealing with our own money in trying to do a construction project? In two minutes, how long is too long? I'm going to tell you a story. Stick around. 1143, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1146, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Uh, Emailer, I don't want to use my name but I own a non-union company who does a lot of commercial work. We have fixed just as much work behind union people as non-union. I think it's simply a label. I have also worked side by side with both. There are great non-union and union companies. Yeah, I think he makes a point. Okay, we just got a couple minutes. I want to tell this story and get your input on it. As I was mentioning earlier to Jane, uh, Saturday night, it was my friday was my my goddaughter my niece's 18th birthday and so we we went out to to celebrate that and she got to pick the place where we went we went to some place in brookfield and i've been debating all morning whether i'm going to name them and because even though the packers lost i'm in a relatively good mood so i I won't do this but the bottom line is there's five of it's my brother and sister-in-law it's my 18 year old niece and it's my nine-year-old nephew saturday night Um, we make reservations because this is a popular restaurant and it's going to be busy. So there's five of us. We make reservations for 615. I get there first. What a shock. I never get anywhere first. But I get there first, you know, and I check in and they say, we have you. You know, we've got your table. Um, It's going to be one of two tables and the people are just paying and they're getting ready to leave. And here, as soon as the rest of your party gets here, let us know and we'll contact you. Okay, fine. So a couple minutes later. The rest of my party gets there, so we go up again, and they say, well, okay, we've got the tables picked out, and there's just uh, you know, they're, they're getting ready to leave, and we'll, here here's a beeper, you know, we'll, we'll come and get you. Okay, so the reservations are 6.15. I am there on time. Uh, it was 45 minutes, 45 minutes before we got seated. Now, granted, it was a busy Saturday night. This particular restaurant, there's really no place to wait, and, and, I've got my nine year old nephew with me, so the bar was jammed, but I'm not gonna take him in I'm not gonna take my nine year old nephew into a bar. I'm just not gonna do it. So it was it was forty five minutes. And at one point in time the restaurant manager did come over and say, Well, uh, you know, it's just it's it's going a little bit slower. Sorry. But it was it was forty five minutes. All right, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, eight hundred eight seven seven, one six twenty. That's the Iconet Mortgage toll free talk line. All right is I understand that things I understand that things happen, and candidly, it, it was okay with me. I was enjoying spending time with with my my family, and I had gone into the bar, I'd gotten a drink. So I'm standing in this waiting area. I'm I'm part of the herd, and I'm standing there, and I've got my drink. So I'm I'm, I'm happy, and it was good. I I was, it, it did not, it was not off putting to me, but I was curious. Is that is that an unreasonable time to wait? Now it's six fifteen. It's a busy Saturday night, but you've got reservations for six fifteen. They can't get you in until 7. It was very clear to me that I was given a line when I came in. Oh, the, the table's going to be almost ready. That was just what you do to pacify somebody when, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to suit the reservation. 414 That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll Free Talk line. All right. Is that an unreasonable amount of time to wait? Or when you have a reservation for 615, again, shank of the evening on a Saturday, should you expect that it's going to be that long a period of time before you ultimately get to your table 414-799-1620 800-877-1620 that's the acunet mortgage toll free talk line because actually in this particular situation i think my niece was much more impatient my and, and of course i'm there with my nine-year-old nephew as well and You know, he's hungry, hasn't eaten. He's nine years old. He's got the attention span of a fruit fly. I love you, Alex. But, you know, that's, and he's like, okay, come on. I'm I'm hungry. Let's go. And so we're in this area. But it's 45 minutes too long to wait. And I understand things happen. It's busy restaurants. But if you're going to be a restaurant and you're going to take reservations on busy times, what do you think? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty eight hundred eight seven seven one six twenty. Is that unreasonable? And Again, I wouldn't be bringing this up if it were five or ten minutes, but it was a good forty-five minutes. Let's talk to Mike in Wawatosa Mike, you're first. Good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you?
0: I am well, thank you. Is forty-five minutes too long to wait?
2: Absolutely. I mean that's just it's, it's, it's kind of disrespectful. I mean you go out your way to you go ahead and make reservations. Yeah. And the wait, something. I mean, that period of time is is is, is uncalled for. I yeah, mean, let's get busy. But you know. Reservation is a
0: reservation, right? I well, mean, well, right. Yeah, it would yeah, it'd be one thing if we had just walked in off the street and said, Hey, we want a table for five and they said it's gonna be forty five minutes or an hour, or an hour and fifteen minutes, or whatever, and then you make the decision as to whether you're going to stay or not. But yeah, I mean we 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 were stuck there because, you know, okay, we it's it's her birthday. We're we're not gonna be going I'm not gonna be going around trying to find other places at seven six, six thirty on a Friday night. No, thank I mean that was that was I mean you're you you are stuck. I mean again, if you walk in without reservation then you understand it's busy and they might tell you that they can't handle you for a couple hours and then it's your fault for not making reservations um carla in new berlin carla you're on 620 wtmj yeah hi what do it's you think too long too long
2: oh yeah yeah that's what you make the reservation for that's the whole point it reminds me of a seinfeld episode about renting a car
4: <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: right and and you know he says you're able to take the reservation you're just not able to keep the reservation well, it's that, that kind of a feeling, and I would go out of my mind waiting forty-five well, minutes when I'm hungry.
0: Well, right, and, and you got a nine-year-old kid who's hungry, which is the, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's and, even that's even. I'm sitting there. I, I've got a glass of good bourbon, so I'm okay. But I, you know, it's. The, 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 I've
2: got a ten-year-old grandson, and I wouldn't want to have him wait when he's hungry.
0: Um, thank, I
2: know that for a fact.
0: Thanks for the call. Well, no, I mean, I mean, that's you know, that's that is part of the issue. Let's talk to Carrie in Milwaukee. Carrie, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think?
4: Hi. Well,
2: it's an it's annoying and it's frustrating, but unfortunately, when you go out to eat, especially on a Saturday evening, that's basically the busiest day of the week yep. um, for restaurants. Right. So And and the other unfortunate thing is you can't make guests that are already there eating get up and leave.
0: Well, but because does it, you have a reservation? Yeah, but it okay. Well, but does it? Does it say something about the restaurant's scheduling practice that, for example, if if they know they've got a party of five that's going to be seated at 530, whatever it is, that then, you know, you shouldn't book another party of five for, you know, an an hour? I mean, to me, that says as much about the the, the restaurant overbooking as it does anything else.
2: But there's only so much that they can, uh, you know— predict for because a lot you know you could expect that a guest is going to come in and sit down and be in and out in an hour when they plan to sit there for three hours and chat because they're you know
0: but then do you have to move then is it the obligation of the manager or something to move them along to say you know, you know we really need this table can you know can we buy you a drink and move you to the bar or something like that
2: well you would think so, but they don't do that. No. I, I've worked in the service industry for a lot of years, and they just don't do that. Right.
0: So no. then, what's the purpose of making reservations if the restaurants don't, if, can't, if the restaurants can't be trusted to honor them? No, fair.
4: Okay.
2: enough. Yeah, that's the frustrating <laughs> part. Okay, no, fair enough. And, and I
0: again, I, I mean, and I I understand. Like I was saying, it's and th- this really wasn't that big a deal to me. But but we're there with kids, you know, and I mean, you, you've got a. You, you you got a nine year old who is sitting there and and, and he, I understand he's 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 antsy. Uh, let's talk to Debbie in Brookfield. Debbie, good morning. You're on six twenty WTMJ.
2: Good morning. Um, I didn't make a reservation. It wasn't a restaurant that had reservations, but we were told thirty minutes and then fifty minutes later they seat us. And as we're going back to the seats, there's a lobby full of people. Yeah. There's all these open tables.
4: <laughs> yes.
1: and I'm like, what? Why are all these tables <laughs> open? So my sister and I came
2: up with an idea that a restaurant should take the next group to the table and stand them there and say, (laughs) this is the people that will be sitting here when you're done.
0: (laughs) But Debbie, it's funny you said that, because as this was going on, I offered... To go, st- I said, "Okay, show me what table, what people are lingering. I will go stand and look at them." You <laughs> know, I said, yeah. and my brother, I, we will be more than willing to do that. And they said, "No, thanks for." Anyways, it's interesting. Thanks to the conversation. I don't know. Uh, again, it was it was kind of forty five minutes, and and here's sort of the response: I'm never going back to that place again. That's the, and that's just kind of the bottom line on that, and that's how you respond to it. It's eleven fifty five. We'll find out what's coming up on WTMJ today. Next, stick around. Eleven fifty seven. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Eric Bildstad, Brian you Fraley. WTMJ. Today. You know there was one good thing
1: about yesterday. Okay. There is one good thing. Okay. It's that uh, your
0: heart wasn't torn out at right. the end of the game. Right. You, you knew. Well, from Larry the and s- I were first talking. on. Larry and I were talking about that earlier. That the Seattle game, you know, two years ago, yeah, totally. where I'm, I'm, I'm in a bar. I'm thinking we're going to the Super Bowl. Right, this yeah. is going to be great. And then they just it right. It was. Very clear from the beginning that it was not going to be the Packers' day.
1: We're going to start the show with the Packers. We're going to let you whine. We're going to let you vent. We're going to let you
0: praise. We're starting the program on an upbeat note, huh? Got
1: to vent. Got to let it out. Everyone knows you're still a fan, but you're allowed to vent and to let it out and to say what you need to get off your chest. That's what we're going to do in the noon. There you go. For me, it's bourbon.
0: Um, It's 11.58. um, WTMJ Today with Eric Bilstadt and Brian Fraley coming right up. Have a great Monday. I'm back 8.30 tomorrow morning when we do this all again.